Welcome to Of Dust and Divinity, a place where we ask big questions of small things as we gather around the table with makers, thinkers, and doers. So grab your favorite drink, pull up a chair, and join us. And now, here are your hosts, Caben Kramer and Chris Quant. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Of Dust and Divinity. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Quant. Caben can't be here today to do the introduction, but he is here to go through this episode. You're actually catching us in the middle of a conversation that we started last week where we were talking about time and deep time and really focused on time and its relationship with money, major events in our lives, work hours, and how our perception of quality of life has shifted over the years. And now in the second half of the conversation that you're about to hear, Cabin and I unpack what it looks like to work with focus time, creating space for creativity, and how our bodies want to have space for thought and creativity. Cabin even takes us down the trail of what deep time is, what it looks like, if you ever want to hear an episode where Caben and I kind of pretend like we're life coaches and want to give out advice and kind of talk like we're talking about Narnia or Middle Earth or something like that, this weird combination, that's kind of what this episode is. So without further ado, we're going to go ahead and jump in and hear what we're calling Taking Back Your Life from Busyness. Enjoy. I want to move us along a little bit here. Um, you, yeah. you have something about the Pomodoro method and Parkinson's <laughs> theory of work um, to jump into here. Yes. So this is just fun research for me. So, I'm just I'm uh, so curious by looking at those terms there. Well, and and of course you're you're familiar with, with Daniel Kahneman, who's yeah. an amazing researcher. He wrote a book, Thinking Fast and Slow, which again is another book I would highly, highly, highly recommend. Yeah. Absolutely transformed my life. Love it. Um, listen to it a couple times. Fantastic. So he, he brings up a lot of really good research. And then of course this book's bringing up some other really interesting research. So it's kind of all merging together in my head. Yeah. Um, so I apologize if I'm going to quote my sources incorrectly here, but the ideas are all, all there and sound. But so Parkinson's theory of work essentially says that work will fill the time we give it. Mm. That if you have two hours to write a report, it'll take you two hours. If you have six hours to write the report, it'll take you six hours. And that has been shown over and over again in all these kind of real life research studies where they say, um, can we reduce hours and not lose productivity? And over and over again, yes, you can reduce hours without losing productivity. Um, people don't actually need to spend like judging total hours worked is a terrible metric of business performance mm. because the number of hours that your employees spend on a task have so little correlation to the productivity and profitability of your business. Right. So little. Um, and, and I, I do a manufacturing process in my business, right? So, which, <laughs> you know, most people are like, well, that, that makes sense for like knowledge workers, but like, you know, I'm, I'm a blue collar welder that doesn't work in my, no, it actually does like over and over and over again. If you set aside focus time, mm. you can accomplish significantly more than if you try to multitask because we're not multitaskers. We just end up fragmented, which means we end up with partial thoughts, incomplete actions, and poor quality work, increased number of mistakes and errors. If we focus, our 
minds and bodies have an ability to accomplish amazing things because we're intelligent, competent, talented human beings. Mm. And when we focus on the task at hand and not the time at hand, we can actually get a lot more done. And, and over there, there's research that shows that our empathy goes down when we have a subconscious eye on the clock, when we're paying attention to time, when we can forget about a clock and a calendar, our human empathy goes up, our levels of anxiety go down, our mm. compassion increases, our enjoyment of the world increases, all of these positive metrics, right? You look at like the amount of pharmaceuticals going out in this country, you look at the amount of like mental health issues coming online, you look at like the obesity coming online, mm-hmm. you look at all this stuff happening. And like, if we could just lower some of our anxiety, increase some of our um, empathy towards one another, a lot of those things would go away. And so many of those things are structural based on stop worrying about how many hours you're working. Mm. And and really, I go. I mean, it's it's bosses and it's jobs and it's companies who need to pay attention to that. But well, like, I was going to say because Cabin, like, that's nice of you to say, but like, I still got to be at my desk at eight o'clock in the morning, and sure. I'm pretty much expected to be there until sure. five p.m. if not later. Uh, yeah. So I would love to reduce my anxiety. I would love to reduce my stress. Uh, not going to happen. Right. I mean, I could quit my job, and then that's maybe right. a different kind of that, stress that I'm going to bring onto myself, right? Yeah. So, so ultimately, the, the decision makers, the people who, who pay the payroll, need to make those choices. But it's it's still within our reach of human capacity. Now, okay, we could it, still get back to that. And I'll give you an example of that, because that is actually really ringing true of like, okay, maybe what can I control? So I was given at work uh, about a couple weeks ago... Uh, a singular task to think about and kind of help problem solve, right? So like, hey, here's a group. We want you to think about this. And it was my job to write up the summary that would then be presented to leadership of like, hey, here's what our findings. We, we talked about this. We got other subject matter experts into it. Here's our results. Here's our finding. Here's our recommendation, which was fine. And I noticed that as I set aside time to specifically think about this, because normally when I'm working, I've got, and you've kind of worked, we've worked at the same company. So you know what I'm talking about. I've got this this program open here where I've got messages coming in from coworkers and other different channels inside of the company. I've got email over here. I've got other tickets over here for customers that are trying to get a hold of me. I've got less, no more than three things or no less than three things happening all at once. So exactly what you're saying. It's fragmented. Like I'm mm-hmm. I'm lucky to focus on one and then I log on to another one and I'm like, wait, why am I here to get What was I going to do? Oh, I was going to do something. Shoot. Uh, but the fact that when I kind of shut all of that down, I was like, okay, I need to get this report done and I need to think of how I'm going to summarize this. Like all of a sudden my it gave my brain space for the first time in a while to say, oh my gosh, what if as a team we did this mm. and it gave the, the, like the space and the freedom to be creative and to think mm-hmm. a little bit outside of the box. And again, I wasn't paying attention. I kind of shut down all of these things cause I had to. Speaking mm-hmm. of time, like I was on a deadline, so I had to get this in. Mm-hmm. But doing that gave me the space to think about this, actually spend some time devoted in thought to this process and then go, oh, wait a minute. What if we did this, which I then made notes of and presented to my boss and, and we're kind of moving forward to see how this is going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like, man, I need more of that. You, Every human needs more of that. I need, it, was, that that's, it was so liberating and yeah. so free. <laughs> So that, and that, that's that is a perfect segue to the Pomodoro method. Well, you're welcome. Perfect. That's what I was exactly. What, no, <laughs> I <had no> idea. <laughs> so so first of all, Parkinson's theory of work that came out in the year 1955. Mm-hmm. 
the Pomodoro method came out in the 1980s as a French economist. And essentially what, what he said was what you're talking about now. Like we need to, in order to be productive in an intelligent kind of a way that is creative, human, wholesome, something that can break through barriers that are currently blocking our business processes, mm. we need we need to focus better. And that isn't to increase pressure. It's actually to relieve pressure. And so what the Pomodoro method says, because here's the other thing we do. A lot of times we're, we self-interrupt. So mm. we, we're working on a task and then we get this like mental tick that says, oh, I haven't checked email in a while. It might have only been eight minutes. But oh, like, it's oh, a I haven't checked email in a while. Right. And so then we just jump over and we just check email real fast. And then we try to go back to the report. So we're self-interrupting constantly. 100%. So what, what the Pomodoro method says, is it says – the, the the old school 1980 way, this this was his traditional one. He said, set a timer for 25 minutes. Do one thing for 25 minutes. Then take a five-minute break where you literally stand up, you walk around, you completely, you disengage your body and your mind from the work. Mm-hmm. Then you go back, you pick one other task you do for another 25 minutes. You do that four times. Yeah, you do that four times, and then you take a 30-minute break. So then now you've accomplished four substantial things in a two-hour window. And one of those things could be email, right? So you give yourself permission. You're like, okay, one of my Pomodoros this morning is I'm going to spend 25 minutes getting caught up on all my emails. I'm going to do that once in the morning, once in the afternoon. And you can get through a lot of emails in 25 minutes if you're focused. Yeah. (laughs) So anyway, so this is the, the idea that like if work will take whatever time we give it, well, then let's limit the time we give it and just focus on getting it done. So I, I've been doing this, right, because I'm trying to farm and grow this business. So in my head, I've said, like, okay, I'm going to respond to customer emails for 18 minutes. And that's all I'm going to do. Suddenly, I get through it all. Mm. And then I say, I give myself permission. I say, okay, I'm going to spend the next two and a half hours just doing farm work, which means my phone is in my pocket. I don't pull it out. I don't respond to texts. I don't do any of that. I'm just going to do farm work for two and a half hours. And then suddenly I get a lot of farm work done. Yeah. And and it's for me, I have to have that permission because I'm yeah. I'm such a, a guilty distractor, right? Where I'm like, oh, I need to respond to that text right now. I have to respond to that email right now. 100%. But if we just give ourselves just a little bit, it doesn't. Just a, it's literally just a little bit of permission to say like I will get to that, but I will get to it in eighteen minutes. Well, and it's interesting how quickly we've gotten to that point to where if I don't respond immediately, either they're going to think that I don't care that what's wrong with this person, like I'm not I'm not being a good providing good customer service, whatever that looks like. Where not too long ago, we actually didn't have something in our pockets, right, that we could be reached at 24-7, you know, all the time, where it was actually like, I remember the days back where you left a message and they're like, I'm sure they'll come home and press play on their little voice recorder (laughs) and eventually call me back. And I may not be at my house when they call back, so I could maybe not talk to this person for days, Mm-hmm. And it seems and, so archaic. And somehow now. the world. How did we survive? <laughs> right, but yeah, but you're absolutely, and that's that's within a generation, like yeah, if that, yeah, you know, that, within our own lifetimes, yeah, yeah absolutely. That, which that we, which then that we've changed that we have, which then kind of brings in this 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 more. This is what I think about on the tractor. This idea of deep time, 
Okay. Oh, okay. So what is deep time? And I, I love poetry. I know people tell me I'm too wordy all the time. I'm just, I just lean into it. It's just who I am. Okay. So, so for me, deep time, man, deep time is the stuff of mountains and of seashores, Mm -hmm. right? Like deep time is, is, it's time that endures. It's time that survives. It's time that's not scarce, right? It's time Mm -hmm. that remembers. It's memory. Literally, the shape of the mountain is the memory of time. Mm-hmm. The sand on the seashore is a memory of time. It's deep time. That's and good. there's something about deep time that's wired into our bodies in a subtraining way. It's wired into our bodies below the guilty distraction of checking email and texts and 10 other things in the next five minutes. Mm. It's wired deeper down than that. It's there in all of us. And one of the ways we know it's there, well, neurology knows it's there because there's this thing called default mode network, which is so cool. I first heard about that in Daniel Kahneman's book, but um, this book, Do Nothing, also talks about it. But it's this idea that there are brain patterns that emerge when we let our body physically wander without purpose. Mm. And in that wandering, we let our mind wander without purpose. Mm. So much comes to us in that space. We begin to fire in executive functions, which is a, a part of the brain where a lot of um, creativity and innovation and breakthroughs right. come from. We begin to operate. We begin to think about the world different. Just like you said in your example, like for the first time in a long time, you were thinking, what if we did X as a team? What if we did Y as a group? You were thinking in different patterns because you gave your body the pause to maybe shift into default mode network. And it's amazing too, when you do that, how quickly the ideas can come and how they can build up. Once you start to get that, almost like a flywheel, right? If I can mm-hmm. get that spin, I'm like, oh my gosh, and what about this? And oh my gosh, what about this? Hey, we were doing this, why don't we do that? And it, once you get that started, it's like, oh, I forgot that my brain can do that. <laughs> and, <laughs> to and focus bodies, like that. Right? J- just like our bodies forget about the day of the week when we're on vacation because our bodies want to. like right. They want to be free of that. Our bodies want to be in a space of a deep and meaningful thought and creativity in the world. Mm. So as soon as we give ourselves permission to forget the day of the week on vacation or give ourselves permission to think about the world in a different way, our bodies leap into the opportunity. They yeah. want to live in that space, which is another way we know that we that deep time is this really meaningful thing for our bodies that's subterranean below the clock. It's it's one of the reasons why being out in nature is often so calming for us. Mm. It's because nature always operates in deep time. When we're in nature, we feel the deep time washing over us. Yeah. Right? Like we think about it this way. We are the only creatures on planet Earth that care about a clock. Mm. Every other creature on planet Earth moves with deep time except for humans. So when we're out in the trees of the orchard and we see the robins and the doves and the northern flickers and we see the deer and we see the jackrabbits and we catch the the moving coyote through the brush, like, all of those creatures are living in time without any awareness of a clock or calendar. The time that they're a part of, the deep time that they're a part of, is the only timekeeping of nature. It's the sun. 
the moon, Mm -hmm. the seasons. That is how nature moves in time. And that is deep time. That is, that's a second of deep time on, on, on the quote unquote clock of deep time. Yeah. A second is a rotation of the earth in a day, right? That's like that, that's a flash in the pan for deep time. But like, that's the, that's the timekeeping of deep time is these natural rhythms of motion, Mm. of movement, of participation. We're the only ones who are outside of that. We are the ones disintegrated, literally disintegrating, falling apart. As we like, you look at, again, mental health, you look at all these kinds of indicators of anxiety and other stuff happening in the workplace. As human beings, we are literally trading our lives for more money because we think that time is money. And we are disintegrating from deep time in order to grasp on to calendar time which is not actually yielding us the results and happiness and contentment and leisure that we want or promised. Right. And if we, when we move into deep time, whether it's just a quick pause at work or a walk in the park or a weekend up in the mountains or a week at the beach, our bodies rejoice with the chance to engage deep time. Hmm. It's the place we want to live as human beings. And it's right outside our door. I was was just going to say, you know, I I think we've talked about this uh, on previous episodes, but if we haven't, the idea of there's actual scientific research going when you're going through a walk through the trees. It's it's like a a bath. They call it like a forest bath. You're actually being showered in these different vibrations in in this different time, what you're saying, right? This deep time to where your body has that reset, that refresh. Just being out in nature, again, it's a different wave pattern that we just lock onto, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's a slower time, whether we're taking time to acknowledge different sounds that are outside of our regular pattern of sounds. So our brains just have to shift in order to say, okay, this is different. The, the air is different, right? The ground below my feet is different. And that, and I think this speaks to you too, because when we're looking to our... At, for our cue at nature, right? Like even we talk about animals and creatures, but even the very land that, that we tread, Mm -hmm. right? As a farmer, you know, this, that the land, you know, you can, you can only work the land so much before the land itself needs to recover. Absolutely. Right. There's, there's, there's seasons that are on and see like my grandparents had, a garden growing up. And I remember this very distinctly as a kid, like there are different times that that part of the garden, nothing would grow there mm-hmm. because they were letting it, the nutrients, right? The nitrogen, all of that, that needs to be refreshed in the soil, that land that we walk on and live on needs rest. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like it yep. needs recovery. It needs time because you cannot just with the, I think the laws of nature in my mind, continually work 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 because like you said if that goes the ultimate result is just we're just draining the life and ultimately death Mm -hmm. absolutely and if the land that can bear so much burden and hold us up so so wonderfully if even that very land needs rest how much more our own frail bodies percent and and that rings true even through our stories right All, all i can think of as you're talking and i don't I'm not a, a, a Lord of the Rings nerd, but I do enjoy the stories. But it, and both Tolkien and C.S. Lewis talk about 
this deep time. There's this time even before the existence of most of the creatures there that was set even before time that goes beyond even our understanding and our knowledge of it, you know, in, in our mythologies and in our stories. And it's just so, it's so ingrained to be a part of what natural rhythms. And I love what you're saying, like the moon and the stars and the sun and just even the most basic rotation of the earth for a day, right? Mm-hmm. At its, at its core. Uh, it's just, which I, one of the things I'll say that I'm, I'm loving coming out of COVID here uh, is that for the last year, because now that I've been able to work at home, time has taken on a different meeting, right? Mm. To where I've got it. So I'm not setting an alarm anymore Mm. because my body is, uh, when I wake up, I'm on a natural rhythm, but I know that I, I don't have to allow so much time to like get ready and, and then I have to travel somewhere so I have to allow extra time which I have to back that up to okay I have to be here now I have to work out here now I have to shower here blah 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 it gives me that more time I'm like oh man I am so much better <laughs> if I don't wake up to a stinking alarm going mm-hmm. up right and to give myself right. permission to do that right yeah yeah uh, it's just it's just been so freeing so anyway end rant I love it and that, I mean, that's where I want to land the plane, man. That's that's all I, I was just thinking about it today. And man, like there's something about like I have bought this lie that time is money mm-hmm. and I have lived in the the brittle thinness of reaching for more money and exchanging my health and my time for it. Mm-hmm. And yet all it takes is me going out and sitting on my tractor for an afternoon to be reminded of, oh, there's deep time here. There's time beyond time. There's time that is better than time and certainly time that is more powerful than can be shackled by dollars and bills um right here it's right here so the takeaway from this is if i'm hearing you correctly is go get yourself a tractor or a riding lawnmower (laughs) or something and just go sit on it for a while is that what i'm hearing (laughs) you don't have to move man we don't we don't need all of that no no don't even have to move just go sit on a tractor for a while here's some simple takeaways here's how we start to to take off those those heavy handcuffs of of the calendar time we start by acknowledging that we don't have to be we don't have to be human based on time right we don't have to be human based on our productivity we don't have to be human based on our work that's the first thing you can be human without those trappings your worth your value as a person is not those things secondly you might be more productive in your work if you actually work less. And that doesn't mean care less. Mm-hmm. That means focus more, actually pay more attention to the time you're working and what it is you're working on, right? You're actually putting more interest, more attention, more looking at your work in order to allow the work placed on your shoulders to uh, align into a more human boundary. Right. And then when you have time that you're not working, like in the Pomodoro, when you're taking those five minute breaks, 30 minutes breaks, it's about being intentional with that time. It's not just scrolling on an Instagram feed mindlessly or thinking about the five emails you still have to write that you didn't get to. It's about actually getting your body up and letting your body and your mind wander to begin to engage that default mode network. That connects back into deep time. And if we just start that pattern for three weeks, four weeks, six weeks, I think that as people, we will begin to feel the physical, psychological, spiritual uh, benefits of 
those simple disciplines that will lead us into thinking about the world in a different way and actually give us space to then think about time in new ways. And we actually begin to think, well, what, what do I look like as a human being if time doesn't equal money? Let's, what if we just erased that from consciousness? Yeah. Well, now, how does that change the way that I work and move in the world and think about the world and think about how I choose to spend my time? It just it opens up pathways that we don't have access to before. So, so yeah, we, it doesn't have to be like, okay, now go live in the woods, go ride a tractor all the time. But, like, just when you go to work tomorrow morning, write down the three things you have to get done before lunch mm. and then commit to do them in an uninterrupted way and see how long it takes you to get them done. Yeah. And then on your lunch, don't just talk to your coworkers about the work you still have to do. Don't talk to them about the meeting you just got out of. Don't think about the emails you have to do. Go on a walk around something green where you can hear a bird. And yeah. then and don't think about work. <laughs> and good. then come back and write down the next. That's it. Like that. That's the ask. Give yourself a mental reset. Because your body wants to take the rest from there. It just needs yeah. the open door. Yeah. There's a there's another book that's out there that that I've read of it's called Eat the Frog kind of mm. in that, that in that concept of you know nobody really wants to eat a frog but if that's one of the things that you have to do go ahead and do it first and get it out of the way right so that to like free up your mental brain and capacity so like man I really don't want to make that call or I really don't want to do that whatever that report is and we're talking about in conjunction with focus time like do that it's hard but do it first Mm-hmm. Get it done, and that way, because we're spending so much mental—I know I do at least—spending so much mm-hmm. mental energy, like dreading it. Like oh, mm-hmm. God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this thing first, so I, mm-hmm. I can put that off just a little bit longer, right? Mm-hmm. And it really even distracts from that focus time anyway, because I'm, I've always got that going in the back of my head. So eat the frog. Go ahead and do that first. And it's usually not as hard as you make it out to be. Exactly. And then once, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. And then when you get to do it, you're like, oh, it wasn't that bad. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so good. Awesome. awesome. Chris, this, this has been, been a great conversation. Thanks, right? man. Let, let, thanks for letting me hijack it. I appreciate that. It's so good. As I've enjoyed going back and forth and exploring these these fun terms, learning even some more and, and pro tips of, of, you know, go out and sit on a tractor for a while and just think, no, no, you don't have to do that. But just taking those intentional times for yourself. So, yeah, thank you, Cabin. I have always, uh, as always, enjoyed the discussion, the conversation, learning more. I always learn something from these. So thanks so much. Yeah, man. All right. Until next time. We'll see you then. And that's our show. If this conversation was meaningful to you, like it was to us, leave a rating and review so that more people just like us can discover this podcast and join the conversation themselves. Thank you for listening. We're so glad you're here and we'd love for you to join the conversation too. But hey, you've heard enough of our voices. For show notes or to connect with this community of seekers, visit us online at ofdustanddivinity.com. Partner with us on Patreon and get access to exclusive content, merch, and hidden perks. Go to patreon.com slash ofdustanddivinity. Join our Facebook group, Of Dust and Divinity Podcast Community, and engage with us on Instagram at ofdust underscore and divinity. As you go through your day, remember these words of Rainer Maria Rilke. Be patient toward all that is unsolved in your heart and try to love the questions themselves. Do not seek the answers which cannot be given to you, for you would not be able to live them. And the point is to live everything. Live the questions now.
What is he doing? What a jerk. I like your Jim Gaffigan. Thank you. Oh, you got Jim Gaffigan. Okay, good. That's oh, that's what sure, I was doing. Sure. It was that was the oh. Gaffigan. 